0: We're glad you've chosen to listen to our weekly talkback. The weekly talkback is designed to take a portion of the teaching from this week to a deeper level. You may want to listen to this week's teaching, but it isn't necessary to understand the weekly talkback. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, CanoyChurch.org. For now, enjoy the weekly talkback from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey there, this is going to be the same intro for all of the upcoming weekly devotional videos. Uh, In January of 2022, we did a question and answer Sunday. And you guys submitted so many questions, there was no way that I could possibly answer them all in a Sunday service. So what we decided to do instead was answer as many as I could in that Sunday service and take the rest and make them weekly devotionals. So what you are about to see is a question submitted by members of the congregation Four Question and Answer Sunday, but we're going to be answering these over an extended period of time. So I hope that you enjoy this weekly devotional. I hope that you are having a fantastic day. And if you have any questions about Kanoi Brethren in Christ Church, if you want to get involved in some way, shape, or form, feel free to check out our website, canoychurch.org or email me at nick at Have a great day. Good morning. We are going to continue on with the questions today that were submitted for our question and answer Sunday. And uh, the question that we have this morning is is really long. It actually takes up almost a full page. So I'm not going to put that on the screen for you. I'm going to do my best to sum that up for you. And I'm going to read portions of it here for you. So I apologize. I'm going to be reading to you on the screen. Uh, The question asker. Uh, states that the wealth of information and and misinformation is so vast. Uh, With Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, podcast, we can get information completely tailored to all of our beliefs, biblical, political, social. There are growing concerns that social media, especially Facebook and YouTube, push people to the extremes of their beliefs. And, And one of the reasons for that is because the way that social media algorithms work is that they promote the most interacted with content. So a social media algorithm is not looking for true content or, or, or truthful content. It's looking for content that's gonna get it the most clicks, uh, which means then that um, would you, if you are interested in politics, are you interested in looking at kind of moderate stories or are you interested in looking at extreme stories, right? When you go to the hockey game, People that uh, people are often saying like, "Oh, there was no good fights tonight," you know, or or they get on Facebook then are like, "Oh, we saw like three great fights," because they're looking for the extreme. They're not happy with the moderate. So, uh, social media algorithms push the extreme things, and and he states some, um, excuse me, the question asker states some examples here as uh, young girls, teen girls who search for diet and exercise videos are recommended videos that are promoting anorexia. People that search for science videos get recommended flat earth videos. People that search for history videos get recommended Holocaust denial videos. And he says, so how can we prevent these types of things happening to our kids? With these things on historical and social and biblical topics, um, how do we make sure that this misinformation doesn't happen with us biblically? Question asker states, you can find arguments for and against a variety of topics like homosexuality, inerrancy, literal creation story, just war, nonviolence. And they say, I'm not asking you, and that's to me, you your belief on these topics, but how do we ensure that we're taking a biblical stance on these topics? How do we read contradictions in the Bible, including war in the Old Testament versus blessed are the peacemakers in the New Testament? Um, do we reconcile them to ensure that we are actually following God's will in these topics? How do we know what should take a higher priority in our theology? Um, and then as we interpret our beliefs that are in the Bible, how do we figure out how the Bible should be interpreted for ideas or beliefs that are not in the Bible, including critical race theory, masks, vaccine mandates, death penalty, etc.? And here's what I will read word for word now is kind of the end of the question. Personally, this is the question asker. Personally, as I ask these questions, I feel like this is a, a good first step in having a community of believers that you can ask these questions to and trust them to wrestle with. With that in mind, how do we create this community at Kanoi and outside of Kanoi with friends and family? How do we keep these spaces as an open and loving space as we talk about these divisive topics without being dismissive projecting an air of superiority, or just being mean? How do we disagree with people over these topics without alienating people from God's love and grace? And then, finally, in all these questions, I've intentionally left out the question of politics since it is such a divisive topic. But how can we include politics into our discussion without dismissing people and their thoughts? How do we ensure that we ultimately have our allegiance with God and not a particular party or a specific person? Um, these are all fantastic questions, and um, it is a really difficult question, so I'm going to try my best to to answer it all. Um, first, this age of information and misinformation, I, I've often said to people, and maybe sometimes in a sermon you've heard me say, we are... Um, Over informed and under truthed, uh, which is terrible English, but I think you get my meaning. We have the most information at our fingertips that we've ever had. If you even think about the conflict, the war that's in Ukraine right now, this is truly the first war that has been fought where we have such um, access to it. You know, there are people on the ground who are fighting, who are posting things on social media that we have direct access to. They're going live in places that we can then watch. And so we're not completely dependent upon news sources uh, to get our information about what's going on, which opens us up to uh, quicker information, but sometimes it opens us up to misinformation. And the truth of the matter is that's the way social media works too. If all we ever get is our information from social media, um, social media, YouTube, Facebook, all of that works off of, like I said, algorithms with the most interactive content. So um, it, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's a really cool picture that gets your attention and that gets a lot of people clicking on it. Maybe it's a, uh, what we would call clickbait, which is a headline that makes you think one thing, even though the article says something different and that gets you to click on it. Um, maybe it's just some sort of extreme thing that's being reported on. And that gets you, but it's the most clickable content. And that's something that we all have to remember as we engage with information and news that's out there. Uh, if, if all we're getting is our news off of social media, then there, there's definitely a problem there. So, how do we keep our, um, our kids from searching for a history video and getting Holocaust denial videos, or searching for science videos and getting flat earth, or searching for um, what was the one with the teen girls? Um, oh, diet and exercise and getting anorexia or uh, eating disorder videos. Uh, honestly, I think we need to be careful in how much we allow our children to ingest of online information. And we also need to continue to warn them that the, there is information out there that is not online, that is good information. And, um, and I think we've often sacrificed the reliability of information for the expediency of information. And what I mean by that is, we would rather have information quickly than we would rather have right information. Um, That's something I think you should ponder and think about. Even with the war in Ukraine, when when a user who's on the ground grabs their phone and they start going live on Facebook or Instagram or something, and they say, this just happened, and this thing just flew overhead, And they claim it's a plane and then it takes 24 hours for the news cycle to pick it up. And the news cycle says, actually, this thing happened and it wasn't a plane. It was a missile. You know, we sacrifice reliable information for quick information, um, even if it's misinformation. And so we need to we need to be cautious of that. Um, How how can we. This is a this is like an age old question. How do we read the Bible right? How do we make sure when I read the Bible I'm not reading it wrong? My goodness. Um first of all, I think I would just be tickled if more people read read their Bibles, you know. And this is not just like this is not me saying uh you should read your Bible as much as I do. I I just think in general we tend to not crack open our Bibles. We develop our positions and our beliefs and our theologies uh based uh largely around family, community, um, what we've been told what we've been taught uh, what we've inherited rather than cracking open the bible and and developing those things for ourselves so first i'd be i'd be ecstatic if people would just read their bibles then we can engage the question of how do we read the bible right and and maybe the better question or a different question uh, is um, can you read the bible wrong um, and i think the answer is yes you can misinterpret um, you can take things out of context. Um, if, if you really want to, you can make the Bible say whatever you want. You can proof text it and find this verse here and that verse there and cherry pick whatever you want, put it all together and create some sort of a theological belief around it. Um, so if you want the Bible to say that divorce is okay, well, I'll pick this one, I'll pick this one, I'll put them together and boom. Now I have the Bible saying divorce is okay. The way that you avoid that is by um, getting the context of what is written. I I really highly believe that. So, um, you should, how do I say this? I was going to say you should make some rules for yourself as you read the Bible, but that may not be the most helpful thing. You should, um, consider that when you read one part of the Bible, you need to read before and after it to get the context of what you're reading. So don't like there's somebody, I forget who it is, who says, never read a single verse. Um, I think it's called, there's a book called like how to read the Bible for all it's worth or something. And in that there's this rule, he says, don't read a single verse of the Bible, never read one verse, because if you read one verse, then you can pull that thing out of context. If if you're going to read the one verse, then you need to read the verse before and the verse after you need to read the, the whole chapter, you need to read the chapter before and the chapter after. If you're going to, Read a portion of one of Paul's epistles. Read the whole epistle so that you get an idea of what he's doing. Um, Because there are really interesting things that are being done in Scripture with Scripture. So even like Romans 1, for instance, is this really um, highly quoted passage of Scripture. And uh, it's Romans is a beloved book, by the way. And so I'm taking nothing away from this beloved book. It's a highly quoted chapter. But what a lot of people don't understand is that like when Paul wrote Romans, that's this letter, there were no chapters. There wasn't a chapter one and chapter two. Um, cha- but at the beginning of chapter two, if you look at it, you'll see that Paul kind of flips the whole thing on his head because in Romans one, he's kind of lifting off all these people and all these things that are problems. And he's saying, uh, they do this and it's a problem. They do this and it's a sin. They do this and it's a sin. And then in chapter two, the very beginning, it's kind of a rhetorical argument. He He goes, so all of you who are judging all these people I just named, who are you to judge? Because you're no better. And so the whole point of chapter 1 is to set set up the reader in, in Romans to say, hey, you shouldn't be judging anybody because you're not any better than anybody else I just named. That's, that's the point of Romans 1. Romans 1 is not a dissertation on... Um, do's and don'ts it's not a new 10 commandments the whole point is a rhetorical argument to set up the reader to say you need to stop what you're doing stop judging but you don't understand that if all you do is cherry pick verses from romans 1 or if you start in romans 2 and you read this other thing you're like what is this talking about you got to get the whole context and i think that's really really important for coming at some of these topics that the uh, question asker named here's the other thing that's really important a lot of the things, like what was the list here? The list says uh, homosexuality, inerrancy, little creation story, just war. All of those topics, you have to ask yourself the question what category they belong in. So at church, we've been doing a series called Simple Church, where we have a bullseye. I'll put it on the screen. Uh, dogma, doctrine, and difference. Dogma's at the center. Dogma are sort of the beliefs that you have to believe in order to be a Christian. Doctrine are the beliefs that your particular church family believes, and then differences are... The things that we can have really good conversations about, but we don't have to agree on in order to um, be brothers and sisters in Christ. What category do those things belong in? Those those things that you're having struggles with or that you're asking questions about. First of all, are they dogmatic? So let's let's say just war. uh, Is just war theory, by the way, and you might not know what just war theory is. Um, Let me change that. Let's say literal creation story. All right. Do we take Genesis, uh, the creation of the world, as a literal story? Did God create the world literally in six days and rest on a seventh day? Or did God create the world over the course of millions of years, as it seems that science has um, shown us through um, evidence and fossils and layers of the ground and uh, all of that radiocarbon dating? Well, what category does um does a literal creation story belong in? Is it a dogmatic category? Do I have to believe that God literally created the earth in six days in order to be a Christian? Do I have to believe that God um, created the world over the course of millions of years to be a Christian? Like, Does that belong in the dogmatic category? If I don't believe that God created the world in six days, can I still have a relationship with Jesus, be saved by Jesus, be following Jesus? So. I would say yes. Um, and so it does not belong in the dogmatic category. So then the next question is, does it belong in the doctrinal category? And that's a question for your church family. Um, does it belong? Is there doctrine in your denomination or your particular church that says this is what you have to believe on this particular topic? And if it does, well, then, you know, it's a doctrinal issue. If it's, if it doesn't, then it belongs in the difference category where we can have really good conversations and debates and we can talk back and forth about this issue, um, but it doesn't bar us from uh, the dogmatic and doctrinal categories. If it's in a doctrinal category, that simply means that in order to be a part of your church family, we have to believe a certain thing. That doesn't mean that you're not a Christian if you don't believe that. if it belongs in the dogmatic category and you don't agree on it, then that would bar you from being a Christian. But I would just say that the topics listed here, homosexuality, inerrancy, literal creation story, just war, none of those belong in the, the dogmatic category. You know, The dogmatic category is the smallest category. It's part of the reason it's the center of the bullseye. The bullseye in the center is the smallest. It's the hardest to hit. So the things that belong in there are few and far between. We need to believe things like, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus did die on a cross and was resurrected three days later. Those are the things that we need to believe. Um, just war, literal creation, inerrancy, homosexuality. Our beliefs on those things are, are often, mostly all of these things, I would say, are difference that we can debate on, we can talk about. Um, some of them would be doctrinal, but that depends on the, on the church family. So I say all that to say this, use the bullseye the dogma, doctrine, and difference bullseye to determine if the church that you're at is the church that you should belong to. Do you agree with it? Um, are they putting things in the dogma category that don't belong? Are there things in the doctrinal category that you don't agree with? Are there things in the difference category that you think should be elevated to a, a higher level of um, of, the, of the bullseye? Um, those are the things that I would be asking myself as you consider what church you're attending right now and that would um, guide you in what you do with those information, that information. So context, get the context. Okay. Uh, Along with context is history. Understand when Paul writes Romans, what's happening at the time. That way you have an idea of what he's actually talking about before you start applying it to your own world. When you apply it to your own world, consider the, the, the bullseye of dogma, doctrine, and difference. What category does it belong to? are you in the right church? That's the fourth thing. Ask that question. Are you in the right church? Um, because here's, here is the truth. There are good people who absolutely believe there are good, wonderful, God fearing, Jesus loving people who absolutely believe you have got to believe in a literal creation story. And there are wonderful, God fearing, Jesus loving people who absolutely believe that you should not believe in a literal creation story. Um, there are good people on both sides of all of these arguments, and I'm not going to come down and say, this is what you should believe. I've said many times, my job is not to tell you what to believe. I can share with you what I believe, but my job is to help you understand what you're reading in scripture. My job is to help you understand what I think the Holy Spirit is telling our community. My job is to try and shepherd our community of people as best I can, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be this public figure that says, this is what you should believe, and this is what you you shouldn't believe. I'm I'm not going to do that. The question asker then says this How do we interpret beliefs that are in the Bible? um, Or how do we interpret beliefs that are not in the Bible? Like regarding critical race theory, mask, uh, vaccine mandates, and the death penalty. I am one of those people who believe that the Bible has a lot of things to speak to us about all the time. And I do think that uh, there are considerations to be taken around all of these things. And In each one of these particular categories, when I think of the least of these, um, that helps guide me in my beliefs and my ethics around each of these. Um, So, death penalty. You can look at all the facts about the death penalty. Does it work as a deterrent? Uh, Is it successful? Um, Is it 100% accurate? Um, You can look at all of those things. And then you can also go to the Bible and say, does the Bible support this or does the Bible not? And there are places in the Bible where it seems like the death penalty is very active. And then there are places in the Bible where the Son of God tells us that we should forgive and that um, we should be peacemakers and blessed are the peacemakers and and all of that. And so it feels like there might be some discontinuity in there. Here's what I would say. (laughs) Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's the verse that I would quote. That's the one that would guide me in my understanding of the death penalty. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And and vengeance could be properly translated to right ordering. Right ordering is mine. Whose job is it to put things in the right order? It's God's job. There seems to be no doubt in my mind that God values life. There's just zero doubt. From, From the littlest to the oldest. From the richest to the poorest, from the um, the most just to the most criminal, God values life. And there are parts of the Bible that tell us that even the Lord waits to return until, like he waits as long as possible, giving everybody the best chance to come to him. And that that's where, for me, I, I come down against death penalty. From a biblical standpoint, I, I'm not pro-death penalty, because I believe that when you execute somebody, you take away their the future possibility that they might choose God. Um, I believe that God is the one that has the right to take life, not me, um, not my government. So I would come against it there. And then, and then you can, like I think the biblical piece is most important. And then you bring in the facts. Um, like, did you know that one in every 10 uh, executions is later found to be, um, that the, the person being executed was found to be innocent. One in 10. That's, That's actually a lot. Um, How would you feel about flying on a plane if you knew that one in every ten planes would crash? You probably wouldn't fly on a plane, right? That's too great an error. And so once we start bringing in sort of the realistic, like, fact pieces, we already have our biblical standpoint. Now here's our fact standpoint, and this is where we end up. Now, you may not agree with me on that, and that's fine. Like I said, um, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm here to tell you what, what I believe. I'm here to shepherd you. I'm here to listen to the Holy Spirit in regards to our community. Um, you don't have to agree with me. This is an area of difference for us and that would be fine. Um, But I do feel like I can make a pretty good argument as to why the death penalty is not something that's that's actually really helpful. Um, Lastly, the question asker says, how do we have these conversations in a community uh, without being divisive, without being dismissive, without projecting an air of superiority, without being mean? How do we disagree with people without alienating them from God's love? Um, and and they asked the question about politics too, like politics, how do we incorporate that in? I don't think there's anything that necessarily should be off limits for people who love God and love each other. We can talk about it all. We can talk about politics. Um, the question is how do we talk about them? I've used this analogy before. Uh, it was analogy given to me by a counselor. Um, you go where you're invited. So if if I invite you to my house, and you knock on my door, and maybe the thing I'm comfortable with is opening the door and saying hi and talking with you at the doorway, but you like rush by me and run all the way in through my house to my bedroom, you've now gone to the place that is you know my private space, um, and I didn't invite you there, so I'm not going to invite you back to my house again, right? But if you stand at the doorway and have a conversation with me and I say, hey, you want to come in and, and the living room and sit on the couch? Well, I've invited you one step further. And then the next time I might say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? And I invite you to the kitchen and to the to the dining room so we can have dinner together sometime. And and so we progress towards some of the most um, private spaces, but we don't just rush through them. Go where you're invited. And that's that's kind of a rule of thumb, I think. you know When you're sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner and a topic comes up that can be a little bit uh, controversial, um if, if you're not being invited into something, if somebody is just out there giving a monologue on what they believe, <clears throat> that may not necessarily be the right time for you to respond to them with what you believe. Maybe it's a time for you to listen. I think having a, a great deal of patience is really important. I don't think that you have to pick every argument in every fight. Uh, there was a time in my life when I thought every fight was worth fighting. Uh, I have gotten a little older and hopefully a little bit wiser in that time. Not every fight is worth fighting. Consider which fight is worth fighting, and um, and on Facebook, friends, <laughs> don't pick every fight. Not every, fight. almost no fight is worth fighting on Facebook because Facebook is a terrible, terrible medium to have a real, honest conversation. So just just stop, just stop that. Um, you don't have to pick every fight. You don't have to 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 always respond. Um, that's that's okay. If you are having these conversations with people, and people are constantly feeling like you're being mean, you're projecting an air of superiority, you're being dismissive, that is a problem with you. Um, it's not you being persecuted for your faith; that's you being persecuted for not being a very nice person. It's totally possible for you to have good ethics, to stand firm in your faith, and to be a nice person. And um, we can do all those things uh, if we if we just try hard to do them Um, last question that this person asks how do we ensure that we ultimately have our allegiance with god and not a particular party or a specific person great question put put things in your life that reflect back to you where your allegiance is the most so if you have if you're really into politics this is a great one if you're really into politics and you have a very um, hard and fast political belief around a certain subject, all right, pray about it. Talk to your church about it. Talk to uh, your Bible study leader or your pastor about it. Um, go to the Bible and read about that topic. And if you find through reading scripture and talking to your pastor and talking to your community at church and and, and praying that your political opinion is divergent from um, this what the sense you're getting from, from God is, but you're not willing to make a change to your political opinion, then I would say that your allegiance is with politics over God. Um, and so that could be a, a kind of a test in your life. Put some people in your life that you really trust who are willing to say, hey, I feel like your allegiance isn't in the right place and, and let them speak into that for you. Um, but that's the only way I think that you're ever gonna be able to tell is if you do a lot of self-reflection or you put people in your life that reflect back to you where you're at with these things I hope that was helpful Uh, it was a lot of questions and I tried to work through all of them Um, if there are questions that came up based on my answers put them in the comments I'll do my best to respond if uh, if you are the question asker and I didn't quite get to um, something that you really wanted answered here let me know and I'll do my best to respond again all that being said I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday and that this week after Easter is a fantastic one for you. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together.